Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What a joy it is to be here with you today as the Lord has called us to this place to worship Him. And worship we shall, but first let me just make a few announcements. First off, realize, like I said last week, the more we get into fall, the more things are going to be ramping up in terms of things starting back. So be aware of your bulletin. Uh, Tonight we have our missions and outreach study at 5.30. We are not having youth group, but before you know it, we'll be going back to youth group every week and we'll have little lambs and all sorts of things. Also, you'll find announcements for two very important dates, right? Rally Day is coming up in two weeks and we're going to be having a covered dish meal after the service. So please bring a dish if you are able, but meat and beverages are being provided. I think it's going to be fried chicken. I've been told it's the best fried chicken in Virginia. So if you know about the sign, then you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, so that's going to be in two weeks, immediately after the morning worship service. It'll be excellent as always. Um, Also in your bulletin, you're going to see an announcement about homecoming and special services, which homecoming is Sunday morning, September the 17th. Special services start that night. And we really have a great speaker this year. Reverend Joe Fleming is going to be our speaker. Let me just tell you now, Joe is a missionary. He is also the founder of an international missions organization called Training to Send that carries the gospel to the utmost ends of the earth. Pat Patterson has been involved with this group for a while. He actually was in Africa not too long ago with them. Um, But to say that you will be blessed by hearing what Joe has to say That's just, that's an understatement. Really, it is going to be a wonderful time. And that starts September 17th. Mark your calendars because y'all know how it is. We're going to blink and it's going to be on top of us. So uh, make sure that you set that time apart. Now, there are other things in your bulletin. I'm going to let you find those. But before we begin, I would like to introduce someone to you. Mrs. Christy Fisher is here this morning, I believe. Christy, stand up. There we go. Christy and her family are here, her husband, Dr. Fisher, and her son. Christy is our new preschool teacher. So we are excited to have you, Christy, and we look forward to how the Lord will use you here in Old Providence. So thank you very much. Now, um, that's enough announcements. Again, the Lord has called us here to worship him. Oh, yes, sir. Kenny, we're, we're very happy to see that you're back and that you're standing up to say those things, too. So, very, very happy indeed. Now, again, I welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Lord has brought us here. So let's prepare our hearts for worship as Donna leads us in the prelude.
Our call to worship this morning comes from the 121st Psalm where it says, I lift my eyes toward the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going both now and forevermore. My friends, I've chosen this psalm because it goes along well with the sermon, with our passage that we're focusing on this morning. But also I think it's one of those psalms that's used quite a bit. But I would warn you. Maybe you remember me saying over the years here, beware bumper sticker theology, right? Or beware refrigerator magnet theology. It's fascinating. A lot of times when we see this, we see it on desk calendars. We see it on things. And it's a beautiful picture of the mountains. And the mountains are supposed to remind us of God. But let me tell you what David was talking about here. He saw those places of pagan and idol worship where folks would go to sacrifice even their own children to false gods and goddesses. So when David said, I lift my eyes to the hills, and then he asks, where does my help come from? David recognizes that all false gods and goddesses, all idols, they're all worthless. That instead, his help comes from the Lord. I would encourage you to dwell on that this morning and beyond. Indeed, lift your eyes to the hill, view nature in all of its splendor and majesty. But remember who this Lord is that calls you, who this Lord is that has brought you here to worship today. And indeed, let us worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me now lead us in prayer, after which we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and then confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to know that in the midst of this time where so many are running off after this idol or that idol or, or, or this false god or, or that false god or even just worshiping the self, we thank you that you have called us out of these things. And I know you've called us out of these things by virtue of the fact that we're here right now. You have carved out this time you have worked all things in our lives to bring us to this moment in time and space where we set aside all those things that would take our mind from you. Where we lay our worries, our troubles, our guilt, we lay them before the cross. And we come together to proclaim your greatness for you alone are worthy of our honor, our worship and our praise. It is my prayer, Father, that you would use this time. Use it to work in our hearts. Use it to draw us to yourself that we would see Jesus. And as a result, that we would leave here more focused, more intent on doing that which you would have us to do, loving you more and more, recognizing your love for us. We were not able to do this on our own. It's only by your Holy Spirit. So please guide us now. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty. who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. And now let's continue our worship by standing and taking our hymn books and turning to hymn number 41 as we sing When Morning Gilds the Skies, the red hymn book number 41.
Amen. You may be seated. Children, come join me down front. Good morning. Oh, oh, oh. I think maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, I think you girls are right. Over here, guys. You girls are getting better at gauging this than I am. All right. There we go. Very nice. Am I missing anybody? I don't want to leave anybody out. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Gabe, we're the only men up here, my friend. <laughs> I think this is the first summer when I have not been swimming. Isn't that sad? Like, seriously, I think in my entire life, it's the first summer. All right, you can put your hands down there. All right, now, let me tell you, guys, I'm so excited to be here this morning with you because of what we had last week. Now, I'm looking around. I think that everybody, I think, think that all of you were here this past week when Pastor Michael was with us and he spoke to you instead of me. We were really blessed to have Pastor Michael and his family because normally they are all the way over across the ocean in England where they serve as missionaries. Now, the week before they came, we talked about what missionaries are and, and what they do. But today I wanted to talk to you about something very important that you can do for our missionaries, for the Cochrane family and other missionaries. You know, missionaries need all sorts of things. They live in a different country. They live away from their family and their friends. And that's a big adjustment to make. Can you guys imagine not only moving from your house, but moving to a different country altogether? That would be very difficult, wouldn't it? Now, it's a big change, and they need lots of things. What are some things that you think missionaries need? They need a Bible. That's a great answer, Chloe. You're absolutely right. They need Bibles. What else do they need? Y'all think of anything that they might need? Don't get all super spiritual on me now. I mean, they, they need other things. What do you guys need? What, what do people need to live? Food. They need food. That's right. They need, shelter. they need shelter. You're getting technical. A house, preferably. Yep, Sydney. What do they need? What's something missionaries need? Food. They need food. That's right. Anything Water. else? Yes. Water, clothes. Yeah, they need all that kind of stuff. Now, let's talk about some other bigger things they need. Don't we need friends? Yeah, it's good to have friends, right? It's good to have all the different specific things that we need, but it's good to have people to talk to. But there's another really big thing that missionaries need. Right now, the Cochrans need you to pray for them. If you ask missionaries what they need, they talk about things like money and that sort of stuff to live, just like we all need. But what they really, really need is for us to pray for them, to pray for their safety, their, their encouragement, to pray that they'll stay well, to pray that they'd make good friends, to pray that they'd have the things that they need. And let me tell you another wonderful thing to pray for, and this is what I want you guys to pray for, and the rest of us too. The Apostle Paul was a missionary. 
And he said this in Colossians 4.3. He said, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the good news of Jesus. Guys, what the Apostle Paul wanted more than anything else was for people to pray for him so that he would be able to teach others about Jesus and he prayed that other people would listen. So guys, that's what I want you to do for our missionaries because they leave their families, they leave our country to go and tell other people about Jesus. But we need to pray that the people would hear the good news of Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose again and he can forgive us. And if we trust in him, will be saved. So would you remember to pray for that for our missionaries that the Lord would give them opportunities to tell other people about Jesus? It's a good thing to pray for. I'm going to pray for it now and I'll pray for you too. Our Father, we thank you so much for our missionaries because there's lots of missionaries in lots of places, but the common theme is that they all want people to know about Jesus. So would you help them? And I pray that you would help these children too, and the rest of us for that matter. Help us to remember how important it is to pray that you would give opportunities, and not only to missionaries, but opportunities to us too. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can go. And now as they are being dismissed, let's take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer. Let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, it is with grateful hearts that we come before you now, recognizing those things that you have done for us, praising you for your provision, for your love, for your mercy that's manifest, and everything from the fact that we're here right now to you giving your Son and our Savior Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for our sins. We've done nothing to earn your favor. In fact, quite the opposite. We deserve your wrath, but we are loved for the sake of Christ Jesus, and we praise you for it. Belonging to you, Father, you have given us a calling. You have given us a purpose. You have given us meaning, and in this world where people are striving to find something that matters, something that is genuine, that isn't tainted by greed or injustice or any number of these things... You have given us Christ. You have loved us perfectly. And you have given us the calling in turn to love. And again, we praise you for this. We thank you that you give each of us opportunities every single day. Opportunities to pray for those that are in need. Opportunities to pray for our missionaries that the message of Jesus Christ would go forth opportunities to just 
stop. No, Father, in this time where things move so quickly, where life just seems to be one event after the next, and it's just busy, 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 you have given us the opportunity to stop, to pull our focus away from all these other things, and instead to focus on you. Would you work in our heart to that end? Would you convict us over our lack of focus that we just get stuck in a rut and we just keep going and then we blink and it's fall time again and before we know it, it's summer. And it... Let us pull out of these things. Instead of being like the rest of the world, let us, as your people, reflect your greatness. Let us reflect your love and your mercy. As we face challenges to this, we pray that you would attend to our needs, whether it is physical challenges, and certainly we have many folks that have struggled, medically speaking, as of late. We praise you for the ways that you have intervened, even Kenny being with us this morning is such a blessing, but Father, in other cases, folks are still struggling, and we pray that you would bring comfort and peace and healing. For those that are struggling in other ways, whether it be with the nature of this life we lead, whether it be trying to find out what you want them to do or, or, or find the way forward. We know that you are a God of order, not of disorder. That you are the God who illuminates, who turns the lights on for us to see. For you are light and you call us to be lights. So please be with those that are struggling in other ways too. Draw them closer and closer to yourself. As we consider again, what, what we just focused on with the children. We pray that you would be with missionaries. Certainly there are so many we do not know them, but they have the same common task, and that is to carry the gospel to the utmost ends of the earth. In many cases, this brings special, special challenges, special difficulties, even dangers. Please intervene. Not just for the sake of the individual, though we know that they are loved, we pray that you would intervene for the sake of your gospel. That the message, the glory of Christ, the mystery of Christ would be proclaimed. And Father, we pray this not only in light of the glory that is due to your name alone, but in light of the world around us. A world that is struggling. We know that the answer does not lie in, in politics. It, it doesn't lie in promises that, that mere mortals make instead. The remedy, the cure is Jesus Christ. So please, glorify your name in him through us. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now let us continue this time of worship by taking our hymnals and turning to 141. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And I pray that as you lift up these words, you really mean them. Let's stand together as we sing number 141.
to our Lord. Our Father, it is our desire to spread through all the earth abroad the honors, the glory of thy name. And so now, as we come to this moment in the service where we collect tithes and offerings, we pray that you would be with those who give, that you would bless the gift, that you would bless the giver, that these would be used in accordance with what we just lifted up, that the glory of your name would be spread throughout everywhere, Father. So please, work in this way, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you very much, choir, for that wonderful reminder. God of great and God of small. You know, we think of God in terms of being the ruler of the universe, and indeed he is. He's seated on high in all of his majesty, but he's our father. He knows us. He loves us. He rules over even the most minute details of our lives, and for that, we should be grateful. So again, thank you, choir. Well, today marks a special day for me and my family because... I don't know if you knew this, but it was exactly six years ago today that I came to Old Providence to be your pastor. And what a great six years it has been. You, you have blessed us, me and my family, beyond measure, and it is our prayer and our hope that we have been a blessing to you in turn. Um, as I think back on moving to Spotswood, it's a little funny now to think about some of the adjustments that we had to make from, from where we came from, Right. Um, looking back, that we got to make because it is a privilege to be here. Um, this may surprise you, but life moves a little slower in Spotswood than it does in some other places. Um, same goes for Middlebrook and Rayfield and Fairfield and Newport and Greenville and all the other little hamlets that I didn't mention as well. Um, it took us a while to get used to things living here. It took us a while to get used to driving 20 minutes to get to our closest Walmart or 25, depending on how you get there. But uh, we figured out really quick also certain things. We figured out like when the power goes out, so does the water. That was interesting. You know, when you come from city water to a well, it's like, oh, well, didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, you know, uh, other things, we're, we're still waiting on the universal broadband coverage that's coming in 2022. I'm, this may surprise y'all, but sometimes politicians say they're going to do things when they're getting elected and they don't do them sometimes. But nevertheless, right? Still waiting on that. But there were also some extremely pleasant, some, some wonderful surprises too. Kind of like the day when we moved in, right? I still remember it. We went from moving around mattresses and, and couches and things inside. And it occurred to me, something's wrong here. It actually feels cool standing here. And that may seem odd for you to say, but realize coming from South Carolina where shade means nothing whatsoever to cooling you down, it is actually nice here, right? It got even better as the sun went further down, the, the breeze picked up, and you know there's always a breeze over there. And it, so it was a cool night. I, I was flabbergasted, and, and so many other wonderful surprises too. We went on to meet our wonderful new neighbors. Martin was there too. We met Martin, and... <laughs> Um, you know, I'm just kidding. Martin is the best neighbor, and, and y'all have heard me say this. And you'll say, Martin's the best neighbor that anybody could ever hope to have. But nevertheless, that was also a very pleasant surprise. But I got to tell you, one that I didn't see coming at all was not long after we moved in. It was an evening. I went outside. I was moving stuff between the outside garage and inside. And I, and I stopped, and I looked up, and I was stretching my back, as you know when you're moving your shoulders and stuff. And I remember doing this and looking up, and I was just taken aback. It was so incredible what I saw. I was amazed at the expanse that was revealed before my eyes. To, to say I have an appreciation for the night sky is an understatement. When I was a middle school teacher once upon a time, one of my subjects was earth science, and along with that, a unit on astronomy. So I enjoy it very much. But even before that, I've always loved the stars. And here... I hope you've noticed, I've remarked on this before, even though you can see the truck stop from outer space, you still have really 
dark skies. Last night, in fact, and if you had driven by, you might think we were crazy. We, it, it's the Perseid meteor shower right now. I don't know if you know that. The absolute peak is tonight. It runs through September 1st. But we drug an old comforter outside, and me and a man and Isabella just laid down about, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night or something like that. And to say, it, it was just spectacular. We saw these meteors going across the sky, or meteorites, and it was just wonderful. It's still dark enough here in Spotswood to actually see the heavens in their vast glory. Space, the stars, it, it really is amazing. And if you look at the scientific side of the night sky, it's even more amazing when you start talking numbers. You know, there's lots of disagreement on this, but general consensus at least a couple of years ago was that the farthest away object that we could see is this little red galaxy and it's about 31.5 billion with a b 31.5 billion light years away from earth 31.5 billion do you know what a light year is it's the distance that light can travel in a calendar year and do you know how fast light moves it moves 186,000 miles per second. That means that light can go around the Earth's equator seven and a half times a second. In miles per hour, a light year, light travels at approximately 671 million miles an hour. And a light year is how far light goes, not just in an hour, but in an entire year. So you start doing the math, right? If you're talking 671 million miles an hour, I can't come close to saying how far light goes in a single year in terms of mile. And that little red galaxy is 31.5 billion light years away from Earth. So if you're doing the math, 671 million times an hour times 24 times 365 times 31.5 billion. Let me tell you, when that starts churning, all I see is one phrase. You know what that is? Math is hard. That's it. No numbers. Math is hard. That's all I come away with. And y'all, this is just what we think we know. The, the universe itself is far bigger. That's just what we can see. Some scientists say that there are 100 billion, with a B, stars in any given galaxy. And there are as many as a trillion galaxies. So that means in terms of stars, there could be 100 billion trillion stars. And again, this is just what we think we know. We cannot begin to fathom the expanse of the heavens. Now, if you hear all of this and you're amazed, good. But you also might hear this and it might make you wonder. Might make you ponder what's even out there. And no, this is not a sermon on aliens. We can talk about that privately. The universe so grand. With all of its majesty and splendor, why is it so big? Well, God's word tells us why. And it tells us in the Psalms, Psalm 19 to be precise. So go ahead and turn there with me. Psalm 19 is where we are going to be today. Now, as it has been with the other Psalms that we studied, Psalm 19 was written by, yes, you guessed it, David himself. 
But like the other Psalms, it is the word of God. It was breathed out by God through David, so it is his word. Now, again, this question, why is the universe so grand? The stars so numerous, the heavens so majestic. Well, let's pray, and then we'll read and we'll find out. Let's go to the Lord. Our Father, please be with us now. We've already contemplated the unfathomable things that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around, but even more so than these things, mere stars is you, the creator. Please be with us now. Guide us by your Holy Spirit as we ponder your greatness, as we ponder why you are the way you are, why you do what you do, and who we are to be. So please guide us now. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1, hear now the word of the Lord. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words, their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its feet. We'll stop right there for the moment. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and Did you catch the gravity of what the psalmist is doing here as he ponders the majesty of creation? Back to our question, why is the universe so grand? We've just read the answer, haven't we? And it's rather simple. It's right there in verse 1. The universe with its billions of trillions of stars separated by trillions of miles. It exists. It is so grand. So that it will declare the glory of God and point to one indisputable fact. And it's that fact that is so important. Are you ready? Because here it is. Psalm 19 reveals something that should absolutely shape the course of your existence. And this is it. God is the creator. But not only is God the creator, he's your creator along with the rest of the universe. Now, why should this shape the course of your existence? Well, if God is the creator, and he is, then that means that we are the created. And with God being our creator, this means that you and I, we're under his dominion. We are under his power, under his authority. This means that God is in charge. And with God being our creator and us being under his dominion and his authority, his word goes on, we've read the first verse, to testify to all of these things when it talks about the sun and the comprehensive nature of the sun, how the sun rules over nature, providing heat, providing light. 
The underlying message is that nature simply testifies to God's rule. Verses 2 through 6 point to this comprehensive design and, and, and the function of all of creation. And by default, creation is complete in showing us to be part of God's creation and, and therefore subject to him. Again, God is in charge, and rightfully so. He's the creator after all. Now, you might hear this and you might come away with the reaction of, okay, gotcha. Or even, well, we knew this to begin with. Why don't you tell us something we don't know? But if that's you, first off, realize that just because you know that God is the creator, it doesn't mean that God is recognized by everyone as the creator. Again, nature exists to testify to God's greatness. By the way, you and I exist for that too. Just because you understand something doesn't mean that it is universally understood. And second, we got a bigger issue. Just because you know something in your head, it doesn't always mean that you're going to follow what you know and do the right thing. Why? Because knowing is not the problem. It's doing. I guarantee you, you can think of a circumstance in life where you knew the right thing to do, but you wanted to do your thing instead. Or maybe you're in a situation in life right now where you know the right thing to do, but you're going to do it your way instead. Now, I don't know what you're facing, but I can give you a very practical example of this issue of knowing isn't the problem, it's doing. Uh, this past week, I got a new desk chair for my office. The, the one that was in there was Max's, and nobody could even tell me how long it had been in there. And I've been having back problems, and so uh, as of late, I, I decided it's time for an office chair replacement. Now, I just gave you a clue that is important to this little story I'm telling you. I've been having a few back problems as of late. Back to the story. Now, I did a lot of research, and I couldn't find the chair that I wanted, but I did find this fabulous deal on Amazon.com. So I ordered the chair, and the UPS man loves coming to my house because my dog, Bo, looks like he's going to you know, tear the guy in half, but he doesn't, and I'm sure that's a fun thing. Anyway, he gets this box on my front porch, and I come home, and I don't know what I was expecting. I'd forgotten about when we moved here. I remember Amanda ordered a box spring for a queen-size bed, and it came in a box about like this, you know, and like 10 feet long, and I ended up having to put together a box. I didn't think anything about an office chair. I'm like, well, no, there's no way. And it comes in this box, right, that's about like this and about like that, and, and it's pretty long. It's just one of those awkward-shaped boxes, right? So I get this box. It shows up, and on the box are all sorts of pictures, that should be very important, especially this one. It's supposed to be a universally understood picture. I think you know what it means. It means it's a two-person lift kind of box. I knew what the picture meant. But then I looked at the box and I said, well, it just says 35 on there, and it said kilograms, and I'm like, the metric system, right? I use that for 9mm and 10mm, and that's about it. You know, we use it for bullets. And so I think, 35 is nothing. I can do this. Well, 35 kilograms is actually 77 pounds, but I couldn't be bothered by that at the moment. I also couldn't be bothered by that symbol on the front of the box that leaves me wondering. Now, I knew what I should have done when I had to get that box inside. And then I had to get that box through the house and into the back of the Jeep. And then I had to get the box from the Jeep to inside the church. But I knew what I should have done. Remember, I had been having back issues. 
I knew, but what do you think I did? I've been taking Tylenol since is what I've done. Because you see, knowing isn't the problem. It's doing. Inside of us, it's our want to that's busted, you see, on our own. Psalm 19, our passage, points to the fact that nature reflects the glory of God, right? It points to nature. Uh, nature points to God being our creator. Romans 1, you know, it's not just Psalm 19. Romans 1 tells us that since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made from creation so that men are without excuse. Romans 1 backs up Psalm 19, right? But just because we see that God is the creator, just because we know it, it doesn't mean that we'll live in light of it. The problem isn't with nature and its ability to testify to God. Because like the sun that heats and lights the earth in a comprehensive way, so nature points to God in a comprehensive way. And furthermore, nature appeals to human understanding. That is to say, you can look at nature and you can tell there's a designer. You know there's a God. It's ludicrous to come away with any other conclusion. It's like if you were walking on the beach and you saw a watch poking through the sand, right? You wouldn't say to yourself, oh my, what a wonder this is. It's, it's amazing how lightning must have struck sand and created the dial and then Lots of oysters rammed together and the pearls came together to make the face. And how many billions of grains of sand had to smash together in order to come up with, with the cogs inside? And, and is that a gold casing? Somehow, someway, gold was smelted. Maybe it was more lightning. No, you'd never say that. You'd recognize that as a machine, as something that had been created by someone else. And nature does the same thing with us. It points us to God. Again, the problem isn't nature because the problem isn't knowing. It's doing. And so though nature points to God, God gives us more than just nature to reveal himself. And what he gives us is his word. And yes, he does so comprehensively, just as he does in nature. We've read the first part of Psalm 19 that talks about nature testifying. Now let's read about the word. Look at verse 7 in Psalm 19. This is what it says. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. It says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, they, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is abundant reward. My friends, as we read this, key words should pop up to you there about what the Lord has given, about his instructions, about his testimony, about his precepts, his commands, about the fear of the Lord being pure and his ordinances reliable and altogether righteous. What the psalmist does here after pointing to nature's testimony is he points to the word's testimony and all the things it reveals about who God is about who we are 
And just like in the beginning of the passage, the psalmist talks about the sun in a comprehensive way. How it heats and lights the earth. How it rules over creation. So it is with God's word. God's word is over all creation as well. And in it, a story is revealed. A story of purpose. A story of instruction, yes. And I get it, a lot of times we don't like instruction. It doesn't matter what's said. We're going to do the opposite thing, right? Sometimes we're like that. We're ornery. We want to do our own thing. But God reveals a story there of instruction. And it's instruction based not on anything arbitrary. Instead, God's laws flow out of who he is. It amazes me. Sometimes people miss this. Sometimes people think that, that God's laws are just random. That maybe God was looking down and said, all right, you know, with a pad and said, all right, let's look at these people. It really looks like they're having too good of a time murdering each other. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's wrong. And then, you know what, they like stealing stuff, so I'm going to say that's wrong too. As if God was creating his law to punish us. God's law flows out of who he is. God's law is an expression of his character. And furthermore, the law that God has given, these decrees, these things that his word says are trustworthy, God gives them to us because he loves us. Take the Ten Commandments. Boy, it's easier when you're not worried about what lies you told. Right? If you've robbed somebody, if you've stolen from them, it's really a lot better not looking over your shoulder the rest of your life, being concerned. And murdering people complicates things. I mean, we could go on and on about the laws that God has given to us and then being an expression of his love for us. But the fact is that God's word is over all of creation. It's binding for us. And so if all of this is true, and it is, doesn't it make sense to know God's word and the will of God. And furthermore, doesn't it make sense, since God is the creator over all things, to please and to serve him? The answer to these is yes, of course. But there's a problem. And you might know what it is before I even say it. Remember, knowing isn't the problem, it's doing. Even though we know from creation that there's a God, even though we know his precepts and his law, we know his word is given to us, revealing who he is and who we are to be. Knowing isn't the problem, it's doing. And as a result, because we would not fulfill all of God's word, because we could not fulfill God's laws, we need two things. The first is that we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from the holy God that we have offended by our actions but along with this, we need redemption. That's why the psalm ends as it does. Listen to verse 19 and following there. Excuse me, verse 12 and following. It says, who perceives his unintentional sins? This is a rhetorical question because the answer is none of us. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. My rock and my what? My redeemer. Recognizing that knowing is not the problem it's doing, the psalmist David, he asked for forgiveness. He asked for redemption. And my friends, God answered his prayer. But he didn't answer David's prayer through David working harder. 
He didn't answer David's prayer through David doing better. No, God provided for David's redemption. God provides for our redemption through a redeemer. Jesus Christ. The one who did know. And the one who did. The one who kept the law of God perfectly. The one who fulfilled all of God's precepts. The one who knew and did because his will was not to do his own will. It was to do God's will. And as a result, he purchased redemption for all those who would trust in him. So while nature is comprehensive and pointing to God, and while his word is comprehensive and pointing to God, again, what we really need is redemption. And that redemption isn't just about heaven. Realize that. And so many people reduce Christianity to what's going to happen when you die. Christianity is what's going to happen today. That redemption isn't just about heaven one day. It's about two day right now. Because Jesus' redemption results in real change. So much so that your want to that is busted even changes. So you'll know what to do and want to do it. That's what the redemption of Christ does. The question is, do you know it? And will you trust him? If the answer is yes, will you, like nature, like the word, will you testify to God? Will you live a life of obedience, striving to fulfill what God has commanded you? Not because you've got to, but because you get to. Because you know he's told you what he's told you because he loves you and he knows what's good for you. As it was with that office chair box, so it is with God's law. God tells us what to do because he knows more than we do. And he knows what's good for us. Will you follow him? If you don't know Jesus Christ, let me answer that for you. The answer is no, you won't. And not just because you don't want to. It's only through Christ that your heart is changed. And you can have victory over sin and temptation. If you have not, turn to him today. Ask him to save you and he will. See me outside of the portico and we'll talk. Let's pray. Our God and our Father... Thank you that you give us the opportunity to testify to your greatness. As it is with nature, as it is with your word, so it is with us, your people, who have been called to bear witness, to point others to you and to your love that knows no bounds. Forgive us for the opportunities that we have missed. Give us a renewed heart for sharing the glories of Christ. And for any that do not know you that are here, work in their hearts now and draw them to yourself. Let them see. Let them know. Work in their hearts that they would do. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now we have read it. Let's sing Psalm 19 together. It's in the Green Bible Songbook, Bible Song number 34, God's Perfect Law. Stand with me as we sing.
receive the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen.